Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. So we're still in this uh, Christmas season, and um, we're kind of coming off off of the the Christmas week. And uh, one of the things that I want to ask is, who here who here got everything they wanted? Who got everything? Yeah, Megan. Woo, yeah, some of us. Awesome. Who here um, is taking something back? I'm taking something back, yeah. Who here got what they thought they wanted and then realized they didn't want it? I did. That's why I'm taking it back. <laughs> um, the thing is, like, I think, I think you know, we're, 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 we're fickle, people, fickle people. And I think, like, in this American... Christmas experience, there's a, kind of this like emptiness that comes with it. Like, you know, you, you unwrap the presents, the wrapping paper gets all swept away. You've eaten your fill times three, right? You've spent time with family and you kind of like descend out of this like Christmas sugar plum dream, right? Back, at, back into reality. And there's this kind of like emptiness that's a sin. I don't know. I don't know. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Like, you're just like, there's like all this high and you're like, woo. And then it's like, ah, oh, like it just, it just didn't live up in some way. Like it just, it wasn't, it wasn't what you thought it was. You didn't get what you wanted. You, you got something. Yeah. There's this, like, it just didn't quite measure up. And, and one thing that I know about Christmas is that like, if there's ever a test around like, um, you know, can money buy happiness? Like Christmas is that test that says no, right? Because like there's, you get all the things under the tree and then you're like, ah, but there's, there's still this like lacking. There's still this like emptiness. And, and we do crazy things at Christmas. Like we go into debt for Christmas or we spent, we overspend what, what we budgeted, even though it's there. Like I just, I know like it's just really easy to be like, it's just 50 more dollars because it's really good. Or just, you know, I really want to show this and like, and it, and it adds up. Like, we do these kind of insane things thinking that, that we're going to find fulfillment in this stuff that comes under the tree. And then after Christmas, we're like, I'm still surprisingly unfulfilled. I'm still surprisingly, like, longing for there to be something different in my life. There's still, there's still this void that we're still looking to fill. And, and after Christmas, we move to the new year, and we move into the new year with these longings, these longings to escape the misfortunes of the last year. Maybe this year it's the misfortunes of the last decade. And you're like, this next 10 years is going to be different. This next year is going to be different. And we promise, we make promises to ourselves that, that we're going to do better next year. We're going to be better. We make resolutions even that that at this time next year, we are not going to feel the emptiness and the longing that we feel right now. And every year, what I find is that we repeat the same cycle. Every year, we repeat the same cycle. Nothing frustrates me more than at the end of the year when everyone talks about, man, it's like, I'm so glad to get 2,000x whatever that year is behind me because the next year is going to be so much better. And then that year comes and it's like, I can't wait for this year to be over because next year is going to be better. And like we repeat the cycle year after year and we, all we can do is complain about the year previous and be like, man, just, I, I just want to escape from that. 
And I want to look to the future and, and hope that maybe in this next year, maybe in this next 12 months, my, my longings will be fulfilled. And I feel like they, they just kind of go unfulfilled time and time again. And this, and this longing that we have, these longings that we have to be fulfilled, they're not wrong. They're not bad. What I find is that we just kind of like miss where we place our longings and where we place our desires. Like there's a lot of places where we have these longings to be fulfilled and we're not quite sure how, how to find it. And so we think that like maybe, maybe we'll find fulfillment if, if, there, if there's like a certain number on the scale. Or we think like maybe there's a certain number in the bank account and like then we'll feel good. Or maybe, maybe it's in a relationship that we don't have, but if we had that relationship or if we had that child, if we had that thing, then like maybe we would find the fulfillment that we're looking for. Maybe this next year would be better if we could just get that thing. But what I find is that we just, we just keep chasing these longings and we, and we continue to find, it's like Christmas, this like kind of emptiness that sets in. And we're still, there's still this like deep longing that exists within our souls. And the question is, what do we do with that? What do we do with this longing that's in us? Just like, I gotta chew this up. I gotta cough drop. I gotta like finish it. Sorry. But what do we do with this emptiness that's inside of us? Especially as we look to this new year. And how do we, how do we enter this new year different where we can find real fulfillment that's really offered but through our God and by our God. So the other day I was, I was in our house and I was um, just sitting at our piano and my eyes like came across the decoration and it had some words on it. Now I don't know about you, maybe it's because I'm a guy, but like I, who reads the decorations in their house, right? I mean like there's words around your house everywhere, there's decorations with words, like maybe you're intentional, but like I don't read them. Maybe it's because I'm a guy and I don't put them there, but like they're there and maybe you just like pass over them. I'm sure I've passed over this decoration all Christmas, but I'm sitting there at my, at the piano and I'm just looking and there's this, this little square and it's a decoration that says, the weary world rejoices. And I was like, oh, there it is. It's a line from Oh Holy Night. The weary world rejoices. At Christmas. And I was like, there's the honesty that I've been looking for. Like, there's the honesty of the season, of my heart, of my longings, of my desires, of this world. Like, I feel like this world is weary and we're tired, but yet there is Christmas. And because of Christmas and because of the coming of Jesus, there is reason for rejoicing because in his coming, there is fulfillment to our longings if we look to him for it. The thing is, we often look to all of these other things for it instead. And I just look at the world, and I, I know we're weary. I know we're tired. And maybe it's because it was like 25 degrees and snowy in October, and we're going like trick-or-treating, and it feels like Christmas, and it's like feels like 54, and it's like feels like October, and it's Christmas, right? Or maybe it's just that like half of Wisconsin's sick right now, right? And like <laughs> we're just tired. We're tired, weary people. But there is rejoicing that can still be found. There is rejoicing that can still be had at the coming of Jesus. And the good news this morning is that Christmas is not over. The good news is, is that there is rejoicing that can happen over a baby that was born 2,000 years ago and was named Emmanuel meaning God with us. God is with us, people. 
He is with us today in the middle of our weariness, in the middle of our longing. He sees us, he knows us, and he has come down to be with us as a baby, as a human, and in his spirit to live among us. Okay, I just want you to grab this for a minute. The God who created the universe looked upon you and me and said, you know what, I'm going to go down and I'm going to save him. And the way that I'm going to do that is I'm not going to come in this like mighty, powerful, heavenly, kind of like abstract, powerful way. No, I'm going to, I'm going to come as one of them. And I'm going to live with them. And I'm going to suffer the ways that they suffer. And I'm going to rejoice in the ways that they rejoice. And I'm going to bring reason for them to rejoice because I'm going to fulfill their longings and their most truest desires through my son Jesus. And so he comes and he lives with us. And he's born as a baby. This young couple, Mary and Joseph. And he's come to be king of the world and king of our hearts to where we can put our ultimate longings and our ultimate desires towards. And he's come so that we can encounter him, so that we can have relationship with him. We've been going through this series since the fall of these different encounters of people who have encountered Jesus and how their lives have been radically transformed and how their situation was one thing and they encountered Jesus and he gave them new perspective, new life, new healing, and, and he changed the trajectory of their lives. This is the last sermon in that series and this last encounter that we're going to look at as Jesus as a baby in the temple with a person named Simon and a woman named Anna. And we're going to see how Jesus encounters them as a baby and changes their lives and how we can encounter Jesus this morning. And he can meet our fulfillments, he can meet our longings, he can meet our emptiness and change the trajectory of our new year that's ahead of us. All right? So this morning's encounter begins with Jesus as a baby that's just under six weeks old. He's 40 days old, okay? Think of a 40-day-old baby. Think about how little that baby is. Think about how insignificant that baby is. That baby has done nothing but eat and poop, okay? Right? But they're bringing Jesus to the temple, and they, there's some people there that encounter him, and it changes their lives. Jesus, at 40 days, let's open to Luke chapter 2. And see it. So we're going to read from the New Living Translation this morning, just because the ESV, in some ways, that this particular passage gets translated, sometimes can be really archaic and kind of confusing. And the NLT is really straightforward around this passage. So we're going to read from that version this morning. So from Luke chapter two, starting in verse twenty-two, this is what it says. So it was time for the purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of the child. So the parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And the law of the Lord said, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered sacrifices required in the law to the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So here they bring Jesus to Jerusalem for the first time. He's 40 days old. They bring him into the temple, and they're giving sacrifice for purification as it was written in the law of Moses. So they're following the law, and Jesus is, is a part of this ceremony, and they're dedicating him to God, which is really beautiful because Jesus is God, 
And they're dedicating him back to you, God. They're like, here, this, this son that you have given us, we are going to give back to you, Lord, to do whatever you want to do with him. And in that moment, I don't even know if Mary and Joseph really understood what was going to happen or what that meant. All right? So the story continues. That's the background. That's what's happening. They're in the temple. They're, they're doing this thing that God had told them to do from the law of Moses. The story continues, chapter 25, and it says, At that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. Sorry, it said Simon earlier. Simeon. He was a righteous and devout and eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple so that when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby to the Lord as the law required, Simeon, was there. I want you to catch what's going on here, okay? So there's this guy, Simeon, and what's he doing? He's waiting. He's longing for the day. It says he's eagerly waiting. Now, if you're eagerly waiting, that means that there's something that's longing in your soul. There's something that is unfulfilled that you're waiting to be fulfilled upon, okay? And so he's waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. He's looking out for God. He's seeking God. He's desiring God. He's like, God, when are you going to show up? Because his people, the people of Israel, were captive. And he was just saying, God, when are you going to come and make this right? When are you going to come and fulfill this longing that your people would be reestablished in the world as the light of the world and that, that you would come and reign with us, that we'd be set free and that you would come and that you would bring prosperity, that you'd bring health, that you'd bring restoration? When are you going to come and when are you going to do what you've promised us to do? He's longing after the things that God's heart longed for. This is where his longing is and he's seeking God, and it says that the Holy Spirit was on him. And it says that the Holy Spirit wasn't just on this guy, but it says that the Holy Spirit led him. So this guy, he was looking out for God. He was seeking him in the everyday. And 40 days after Jesus was born, we really don't know when Jesus was born. We don't know what 40 days after, but it was probably like a regular weekday in the temple. Probably regular. It probably wasn't anything special. There was no banner. Jesus had no mark on him. There was no like, Jesus dedication day at the temple. Everyone come check it out. Like, there's, none of that's happening, right? Like, Jesus, they're just Mary and Joseph. We're going to the temple because it's 40 days and this is what we do. And Simeon's there and he's being led by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's like, come to the temple. Come to the temple. And so he, he comes to the temple and Jesus again. Just a baby, Mary and Joseph, they're nondescript. They're in Jerusalem, this metropolitan area. Simeon knows this is Jesus. And Simeon is there at the temple when Jesus is there. God is up to something. And he had promised Simeon that he would meet the Messiah before he died. Now, if I'm Simeon and I'm thinking I'm going to meet the Messiah before I die, I'm expecting that I'm going to meet a king. I'm expecting that I'm going to meet a ruler I'm probably going to expect that I might meet him after he's like been in charge and has done his thing, right? I'm not going to expect God to like lead me there and it to be a baby. But Simeon comes to the temple, Holy Spirit's like, that one. That's the baby. That's the Messiah. And this is what Simeon does. <clears throat> says, Simeon was there in 28, and he took the child in his arms and praising God, he said, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. 
He is the light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. And Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Jesus' parents were amazed at what this guy was saying about their son, that they were just dedicating in the temple. Here Jesus is 40 days old, and this man that they don't know comes and grabs their baby. It's kind of weird. And starts prophesying over him. And he says that not only is this guy going to be the savior of Israel, which that's what this guy was hoping for, right? Like that's what this guy imagined. He was longing for his hopes, his desires, and dreams was that Israel would be saved through this Messiah that's coming. But Holy Spirit reveals to him as he's holding this baby and as he's prophesying over him, he reveals to him that this baby is not just for Israel, no, it goes far beyond that. It's for the longings of the entire world. It's not just for the longings of the nation of Israel. I mean, if you're Simeon, your mind has to be blown right now. Be like, God, you did far more exceedingly great than I ever could have imagined and that I ever longed for. I thought I was longing for this, and what I saw is that what I was longing for was so small in comparison to what you wanted to do through Jesus. And so he proclaims that Jesus isn't just this baby for Israel, but he's for the Savior of the whole world. And he's kind of proclaiming, like, God's done it. Baby's here. He's done it. And like I said, this baby's done nothing but eat and poop for the last 40 days. But Simeon knows this baby's going to do it. And that's good enough for him. That's good he's like, I can die now. It's a baby. He's, he's, he's won no wars. He's conquered nothing. He's done nothing. But Simeon's like, I'm at peace. God has allowed me to see the Messiah. He's got it taken care of. God's got this. God, you can take me whenever you want. There's peace that comes over. He's fulfilled. He finds fulfillment in the 40-day-old, six-week baby Jesus. Jesus fulfills his desires he fulfills his longing, and he's a man that rejoices in God for the fulfillment of those desires, for the fulfillments of his longing, okay? Now, there's a second person in the temple, and the second person in the temple, her name is Anna, and this is her story. Her story starts in verse 36. It says this, Anna was a prophet, and she was also in the temple, and she was the daughter of uh, Flannel the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband had died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple and stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. You could say she's a woman of deep longing as well. She's committed her life to seeking the Lord, to longing after God, to worshiping and praying and fasting after him. She never left the temple and she came along just as Simon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. You see, Anna and Simeon, they're not the only people waiting. There's other people in the temple that are waiting too. And Anna, she comes up to Mary and Joseph at the same time that Simeon's prophesying over him, saying he's the savior, uh, not only of Israel, but of the entire world. And she's there in that conversation. And she rejoices at God and she can't just contain it to herself. It's not the secret that she keeps to herself, but she has to share it. 
because her desire has been fulfilled. And it's been fulfilled in this baby. She's got to tell everyone about it. She's like, guys, this thing that you've been waiting for, this thing that you've been desiring, this thing that you've been longing, it's coming and it's happening in this baby named Jesus. It's happening here. It's happening now. And what I just love is that both Simeon and Anna, they longed. They longed to see the Messiah to come. They longed to see this baby, and this baby's here, and he's going to change the world. He's going to free this nation, and he's going to be this people that adopts the entire world as his people. And both these people were, were familiar with the weariness of waiting. They were both familiar with longing, but when God presented himself as the gift, as the true Christmas gift to the world, they responded with rejoicing and with praise and with celebration and with sharing. They're like, you've got to know about this. And their weariness melts away as their fulfillment and their longing disappears and they're overjoyed with the ways that God has provided for them and for the world around them. They, like, they want other people to know. They want other people to know that salvation is coming. Salvation is near. We're going to be set free. God is going to do it through this baby, and he did, through Jesus on a cross. And so here we are today, and our world's not much like, I mean, it's much like Anna and Simeon's. There's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of longing that's happening in this world, and we continue to strive in our brokenness. And what I find is that much of our sin and much of our brokenness and much of our weariness, candidly, comes from our own vain attempts to find fulfillment to our own desires. So whether it be kind of this like drunkenness or substances or shopping or workaholism or escapism or YouTube scrolling or Facebook scrolling or whatever it is that you do that, that you're just like, if I could just have five minutes to do this thing, like then I can move on with life, right? Because we're like, we're just looking for these like shots of fulfillment to get us through the day, right? Like that's what we do, right? Like life is hard. There's a lot of longing and we're just like, maybe, maybe we can like grasp at some stuff. And what I find is that in our grasping, in our attempts to find fulfillment for the next half hour or the next two hours or whatever it is before us, the thing that we go to to fulfill those desires often takes more away from us than the high that it gives us. And so what we need is to find a place to where we can find true fulfillment to our desires. We need to find a substance. We need to find a person. It's not a substance, but it's a person. It's a relationship. With the God who came to fulfill the desires that are in you. He knows your desires. He knows your longings. He knows your heart. And he's the one that can ultimately bring true fulfillment to those things. The good news this morning, guys, you might be in this place where you're like, man, Christmas is over. There's this longing. There's kind of this emptiness that we're feeling. We're kind of like entering, crashing into the new year maybe even. But like the good news is this morning is that Christmas isn't over. Christmas isn't over. In the liturgical church calendar, guess how long Christmas is? 12 days. The 12 days of Christmas. The 12 days of Christmas is not before Christmas. We culturally have no idea what to do with the song 12 days of Christmas. But the 12 days of Christmas begins Christmas Eve, and it goes through January 5th. And traditionally, people would take off those 12 days, 
And there'd be feasting, and there'd be celebration, and there'd be family, and there'd be stories, and there'd be prayer, and there'd be worship, and there'd be rejoicing, and there'd be fulfillment. Because they weren't looking to presents, they weren't looking to gifts, they weren't looking for money, they weren't looking for escapism, but they were looking to the King of Jesus for 12 days to be reminded that the longings of their hearts could be fulfilled through a baby who was born in Bethlehem who's king of the world. And so we're in day six. We're only halfway through Christmas, guys. We got six days left. Woo! Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And even after Christmas, the gift of the Holy Spirit just keeps giving year-round. The fulfillment that he gives gives year-round. The fulfillment that baby Jesus gave to Simeon and Anna is still true today, and it's here now with you and me. He's here to fulfill the longings and bring you out of your weariness to a place of rejoicing. And so this morning, as we come in weary, I want us to be a people that leave here rejoicing, that, that we be the weary world that rejoices because Christmas has come, because Jesus is near, that God is among us, that he's Emmanuel with us, and that all of our longings and all of our desires would be fulfilled in Jesus. The good news is that Jesus is this thing that comes so that we no longer have to prove ourselves, so that we no longer have to defend ourselves, and so that we no longer have to hide. I want you to get that. Jesus is here so that we no longer have to prove ourselves, so that we no longer have to defend ourselves, and we no longer have to hide. And that's really important because what I find is that in many of our longings, in many of our desires, in the ways that we fulfill those desires, it's an attempt to prove ourselves, it's an attempt to defend ourselves, and it's an attempt to hide from something inside of ourselves or from the rest of the world. Maybe it's to hide from pain, maybe it's to hide from inadequacy, maybe it's to hide from lies that the accuser has given us. Whatever it is, we try to prove, we try to (laughs) defend, and we try to hide. And the good news of Jesus is that Jesus has come to bring fulfillment so that we don't have to do those things anymore. We don't have to defend ourselves because he has done the work on our hand. And not defend, prove ourselves. We no longer have to prove ourselves because he's done the work. I think so much of our life, we're like, got to prove, got to prove, got to prove, got to work, got to work, got to work. And that's exhausting. That's wearisome, right? We get weary in all the striving that we have to do. And Jesus has come and says, I have finished it. It is done. I've proven yourself and your worth and your value to God on the cross through me. So calm down. Okay? So good news this morning, number one, you don't have to prove yourself anymore going into this new year. Second one is you don't have to defend yourself anymore because he has conquered the accuser. The accuser comes and he accuses you and you're like, but I've got to defend, I've got to defend, I've got to block. You're like trying to be a goalie and you just can't, things are getting by and you feel like the devil's scoring more than what you can defend, the reality is you don't have to defend yourself anymore, guys. Jesus has killed and he has conquered the enemy. Allow Jesus in this new year to be your defender. Allow him to be the one that proves your worth and value to God and to others. Allow him to be the one who can defend you against the attacks and the accusations of others around you and of the enemy that attacks your mind. And then finally, you don't have to hide. You don't have to hide anymore. You don't have to hide from the pain. 
because he's here to bring healing. You don't have to hide from your shame because he's brought forgiveness and restoration. And you don't have to hide because on your worst day, in your worst moment, in your worst way, he looked upon you and he loved you. I just love that. I love the verse in Romans. It says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, that is the good news of our lives, is that in the worst moment, in the worst way, Jesus saw it and he's like, yep, that's worth dying for. I'm here for you. I'm here for it. Let's go. And so you don't have to hide anymore. Your longings, the things that you really long for, they're fulfilled in Jesus. You don't have to prove. It's been done. You don't have to hide. He has seen you. And you don't have to defend because he has killed the accuser. So what I want you to do is I want you to live and I want you to rejoice and I want you to proclaim to the world that those things are true today in your life and for the rest of the world. That they don't have to keep on going proving. They don't have to keep on going defending and they don't have to keep on going hiding that there is freedom and that Jesus at 40 days brings that fulfillment. He brings that freedom. He brings it through his life of 30 years and he brings it through a spirit that is eternal in you and me. And so this morning, what I want us to do is like, what if instead of making a bunch of resolutions, what if instead of piling on new burdens and new expectations of saying, I'll do better, I'll strive harder, I'll work harder, I'm going to bring my own fulfillment to my own kingdom and my own world. What if instead of doing those things and taking on those weights and those burdens, what if we, what if we took some burdens off this morning? What if we took our longings and our expectations and we like laid them out before God? And we're just like, God, here's this longing that's gone unfulfilled. I don't know what to do about it. I've tried in all my own humanly ways to bring fulfillment. And it's just like, it's burning me out. I'm weary. God, I need you to bring fulfillment in the only way that you can to this longing, to this desire. And we allow Jesus to encounter us this morning and into this new year? What if we brought our longings? What if we brought our brokenness? And what if we unloaded those things before God? What if that's how we entered the new year? Instead of taking on more, instead of burning ourselves more, we actually took off and we got naked before God where we didn't have to prove, where we didn't have to hide, where we didn't have to defend. And we allowed him to bring the true healing and the true fulfillment that we've longed for that Christmas really longs for, and that Christmas is really about, and it's here today. And so what I want to do is I want to make space for us to do that. I know maybe you've been thinking about New Year's resolutions, maybe you've been thinking about, all right, what's going to happen January 1st or January 2nd? I want to ask, what's going to happen today, January 29th? Not January, December 29th. What are we going to do today? What is God calling you to unload today? And what I've got is I've got a, a bowl of rocks that just kind of like represents our burdens that we've been carrying, our longings that we've been carrying. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to get one of the offering plates and we're going to set it up here. And in the response time, we're going to sing two songs and it, allow yourself to take the two songs even more. But what I want you to do is I want you to go over to the bowl of rocks and I want you to unload and write down what is the longing, what is the desire that God is calling you not to carry anymore. He's saying, I want to bring fulfillment to this. And maybe there's still some waiting that has to come. Maybe it's not like that, but maybe he's just saying, I want you to, to trust me with this longing. I want you to trust me with this desire. And I want you to trust that I can bring fulfillment to you and your longings and your desires in the way that only I can. 
And for you to say, I'm done. I'm done chasing after that thing in my own ways, in my own brokenness that steals more than it gives. And I'm going to trust the King of Kings to set me free from that this morning. Okay? And so we're going to do that. We're going to unload and we're going to give them as an offering to the Lord. And then we're going to celebrate Christmas and the gift that he gives through his life and death and resurrection through taking communion. And we're going to take of the bread that's been broken, that symbolizes his body broken on the cross. And we're going to take from the juice that represents his blood that flows freely for all of us, fulfilling our desires to be loved, to be restored, to be seen, to be known, to be forgiven. He's done it. And so let us be a people in a weary world that walks out of here rejoicing this morning and all that God has done and that all that God has fulfilled and that all that God wants to fulfill in you. All right, let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for today and we thank you for Christmas and we thank you for the season that you give us to pause and to rest and to focus our attention and our eyes on you. That you are the king of the world. And God, that only you can bring true fulfillment to our desires that we long after. So God, there's ways that we might not understand that this morning. And God, I pray for understanding. God, there might be ways that we just feel like our desires are too big and that our brokenness is too big that you can't handle it. God, I pray that you would smash those lies, that you'd speak your truth. And God, that we would walk out of here today as a people that know that we no longer have to prove that we no longer have to defend, that we no longer have to hide because you have come and lived us and you've done it on our behalf. Lord, we thank you for your love this morning. Let us rejoice and tell the world of your good news. In your name we pray, amen.